Today is the 4th of August, 2017, and welcome to What's in Your System, a podcast by Scholars at Play. My name is Derek Price. I'm Kyle Romero. This is Terrell Taylor. And we're back, baby. We did it. They said it wouldn't happen. They said it. W- they were always they saying were always it. They were always saying happen. it. I don't want to go and too DJ Khaled here, but like, they <laughs> didn't want Scholars at Play to happen. Nope. We and the best. We're back. And not only that, but we now have another episode thing. Another, another one. Another yeah, show another form. One. <laughs> so not only not only do we have your regular yeah. hour and a half installment yes. plus of yeah, Scholars at exactly. Play, uh, but we're now doing something a little different. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is this is going to be a sort of standalone podcast we're going to try out to kind of avoid exactly that hour and a half problem. Um, so I don't know if it's necessarily a problem, but it's, yeah, it's a long That hour listen. and a half like thing. Let's yeah, not judge it's, it. It's not a problem. It's just like it's a long commitment to yeah. listen to a whole conversation. So um, we're basically trying to take... We're not trying. We are taking that sort of what's in your system segment out of our sort of longer form podcast, if you guys have been listening before. And we're just going to break that off, make it a smaller thing. Uh, we're going to do it more often um, and sort of try that out. It's going to be a little more casual. Um, we're not doing away with those longer form podcasts. We're totally going to keep doing those sort of like, um, you know, thematic or sort of, you know, oriented around some sort of genre or concept or, you know, that that stronger, more academic, critical approach to games. But we wanted to have something that we could put out a little more often. Those a little easier to make, took a little less prep time. Not and as also, rigorous. Yeah, exactly. And something that might be a little more topical in the sense of timely and that kind of stuff. So we're going to we're gonna try and do these twice a month. That's going to be the schedule for now. Uh, I think that's doable with most of our schedules. And, and if you guys really like them, then maybe we'll do some more. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, so for those of you who haven't, uh, who haven't listened to an episode before... Um, what's in your system is uh, basically where we talk about what we are playing, thinking about, listening to, writing about, talking about, etc. in relation to games. Um, and uh, we're all just going to sort of go go round robin real quick before we get into it. It's been we had a summer break. Yeah, we, we did. had a little summer break. We've had when was our last episode released? Our last I episode, think I think it was. I want to say it was like maybe the 28th of May or yeah. end of all May. Right. Our fans are, are thirsty. They're you know? thirsty. They're probably. thirsty for it's some, a hot some summer. For mm. some scholars and they play. probably want to know what you did on your summer. <laughs> what did you guys do in your summer? Real quick. Real quick. <laughs> what did I do during my summer? Yeah. Um. So I think I did a number of things. Uh, one of which, which I will go on the record for having done, is I did make some progress towards my comprehensive exams. Uh, uh, yeah. I have some sizable uh, lists of books that I need to get through. I won't, much like I don't disclose how much time I put into any of the games that we play. Smart. Uh, I won't tell you how much of those lists got done, <laughs> but I will tell you it was substantial. Yeah. Um, Equal to the amount of hours you put into civilization? Stop or? it. Okay. <laughs> stop it. That's a very coercive question. Very coercive question. I don't appreciate it. Don't appreciate it. Um, but aside from that, I also spent some time uh, in Dartmouth in June for the Futures of American Studies Conference. Yes. Uh, more of an institute, really. It's not so much a conference. Uh, there was a number of uh, sort of big-name scholars, medium-name scholars, a lot of different scholars. Uh, they're presenting Where are some you work. in that? Are you a medium-name scholar? I um, <laughs> So you know where the younglings at Yoda were training in Attack of the Clones? <laughs> they trained me. <laughs> so you're, you're about to be murdered by like a whiny like dude with long hair. You're a youngling. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was a Padawan to the younglings. That's <laughs> wow. That's where I was uh, in this in this whole affair. That's um, the next new meme. That's for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, you know who inspires memes? Scholars yeah. at play. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> um, but seriously, it was a great opportunity. Yeah. Um, 
got to rub elbows with some really important people, some people who I've seen here at Vanderbilt and some people who I haven't. Uh, and also just run to really cool grad students doing really cool things. Um, met some folks from Kentucky who are really interested in video games and new media studies. Uh, so that was really fun. Uh, I also spent a little bit of time in Montreal for a bachelor party, uh, which was interesting. <laughs> uh, it didn't occur to me until I got off the airport uh, or got off the airplane that Montreal is uh, a part of the French-speaking world. Yeah. And I did know this because I had been to Montreal before, but that was before I had taken a number of years of French. And so I got off the plane and realized, oh, this is an opportunity to practice that thing that you've been mm-hmm. to get better at. Mm-hmm. And so a little bit of that happened too. So Cool. That's good. <laughs> Those are some of the highlights. Oh, and I've also been putting some time in uh, here at the Curb Center uh, trying to produce a video game archive, which hopefully yes. we'll be able to talk about more as it influences some of the other things that uh, yeah. the three of us are doing yeah. um, outside of the podcast. But that's cool. my summer kind of very condensed yeah. in the show. Awesome. That's great. Kyle, what would you get up to this summer? There's nothing. Yeah. Just hanging out. No. <laughs> uh, no, I'm entering my my year off. That sounds weird. My, my <laughs> dissertating year in yeah. the program. So, yeah, I've just been running around doing a lot of different stuff, you know? Like, is, this is the life of the historian because we're the, you know, the fun and engaging jet-setting lifestyle of oh, historians. Definitely. But I mean... We're, <laughs> we're pretty indebted to archives. Like, we have to always travel. So, like, it, you know, you probably think of scholars as people who just kind of like sit you know in their rooms and read books and i do that a lot but then occasionally i also have to go fly somewhere and take a rental car in the middle of freaking nowhere <laughs> to then read a book in another room so right yeah i did that all over the u.s <laughs> yeah there's a, a large variety of rooms with with that like, sized windows yeah, like small rooms yeah yeah small like not lit rooms yeah so yeah. i've been in dc in iowa and new york um the metropolitan centers of the united states you know Especially Iowa. And uh, yeah, just <laughs> do research there. So it's been great. And I'm glad cool. to be back. I'm glad to be back with these guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doing glad to be thing. back with you. Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I, had a, I had a really busy summer. I was all over the place. I went to Toronto for the uh, CGSA, which was uh, awesome. Um, I don't think, yeah, I haven't, we haven't talked uh, really on, on the podcast about what we've been doing. So that, that was a really, the Canadian Game Studies Association was a really fantastic conference. Um, got to meet a lot of cool people there that I, a lot of which I knew, a lot of whom I knew on Twitter before, and now I've met in person. That was really cool. Uh, I spent some time in Pennsylvania. I went, uh, where, that's where my folks live. And then I was in Germany for um, for a variety of things, one of which I'll touch on, which was FarmCon 17. <laughs> I don't know, Kyle, have I even, I don't know if I've told either of you about this a little so, bit. No. But like, it's, it was, the, it's this, I'll say it real quick, uh, this conference put on by giant software who who develops the series um farming simulator this is a really popular series in in germany and uh, other german-speaking countries actually like all over europe and eastern europe um east europe there's no good term for it all of them (laughs) suggest that it doesn't belong but you know we call ourselves now german russian and east european studies so i'm just going to roll with what our department does um but yeah so I, i went to this this farm con and uh just sort of met with some of the attendees and I took some interviews uh, and I got to just sort of see like what the heck that would be. And it was really fascinating. It was like, I've never in literature departments, we often do the sit in a room with a book thing. And this is the first time where I was like doing field work. (laughs) And I like, I have like, I have like never, never expected to be in that position. And it was really fascinating. And I, I think, 
I made a, I wrote an ethics thing and I got people to sign it. And like, you know, I think I kind of did some of the things right. So it was, it was cool. Uh, that was really fun. And then I was, I went around to a bunch of different universities and stuff and, and did some sort of grant prep kind of things. But, uh, also definitely got some work done. And I will also not say exactly how, <laughs> how much, much or how little. <laughs> yeah. That's not important. It happened. The important yeah. thing is it happened yeah. and it's still happening. Yeah. Let's get into it. Let's All talk right. about some games let's, we've been playing. Let's, roll. let's get yeah. what is in our system. So, so uh, Terrell, do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Yeah. I think I will. What's in your system, Terrell? So what's in my system right now uh, is a lot of thought around what some might call emergent play or emergent gameplay. And in particular, um, maybe I can kind of get to the meat of this, but also sort of define what that is for those who aren't familiar. Um, emergent play is kind of, Gameplay that happens in a sort of unstructured sense. And I think a great example of that, uh, to a certain degree, are the Pokemon games, right? In part because you do have to put together a team of six Pokemon, but there's not exactly a set order of how it is that you have to do that. So the game kind of says, here are a bunch of things that you can do to put together that team. If you'd like, you can take your starter, a Pidgey, a Rattata, a Spearow, and whatever bug, and that could be what you take, <laughs> you know, the things that you catch in that first little stretch of the game yeah. before you get your first badge, and that could take you for the rest of the game. Yeah. No one does that. Yeah. Why? Because right. everybody hates Rattata and Pidgey, yeah. even though Pidgeot is a tank. But then people okay, also see shit. other things and think, oh, wow, that'd be really cool. Maybe Spearow's Evolution is actually a pretty good fighter, so it's on not. and so forth. <laughs> it's okay. It's been a while since I've been in the Pokemon. Okay, Pidgeot course. is superior to Fero. Like, let's not. I mean, it's true. Ourselves. Like, let's but, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that kind of touches on it to a certain degree, I think, yeah. right? Like, when I was younger, I'd never seen Fero in the show uh, or yeah. seen Fero, period. So yeah. I was like, let's just keep raising the Spearow that's on my team. And I think is actually pretty strong mm -hmm. to a point where I think it could maybe evolve. And then it did. And I was like, all right, this will be my thing. I'd see everybody else's or Gary was running around with Pidgeot. So do Gary. I want to just copy him yeah. or do I want to do something a little different? And so yeah. that was sort of what I was thinking. I hadn't yeah. gotten to the point in my must gameplay where I figured, okay, actually I want to play something. I want to do something a little bit different, right? Yeah, or I want to yeah. do something that's more strategic, right? right because right. Pidgeot, definitely more strategic. Yeah, Pokemon has become like a numbers crunching game. Yeah. I got back in it recently they're like all right so okay. like what are your like you know the point system that it works that like yeah. you gain levels for the point like with the character the pokemon you have out at certain times and i was like oh no i don't understand this at all <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> you have Damn. to like breed them get oh, the points yeah, the get the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was like right oh no i just like want like the mewtwo and kill people with it <laughs> you know it's <laughs> funny <laughs> because <laughs> that level of the game i just don't have much time for yeah. um so yeah. people like i had a friend who would catch multiple iterations of a thing to yeah. find its best base stats. Yeah, best oh base stats and like best nature. Right. right. And like if you, you kill certain enemies and they'll give you like bonuses to special things. So if you kill like Chansey, they give you bonuses to special defense. So right. it's like you want your you know your uh who your Geo dude to only kill Chansey. And I'm like everyone oh calm down. Like, right. Calm wow. down. Right. <laughs> I've been out of the Pokemon game for the Pokemon game. <laughs> I mean, Pokemon metagame. Yeah. <laughs> and that stuff's really important if you want to be competitive. Yes. Right. But right. I think, you know, and this is actually a really great example of one type of emergent gameplay. And what we've been talking about thus far has been uh, what we would call uh, intentional emergent gameplay. Yeah. So, for example, in the newest iterations, um, Sun and Moon, 
there's a Pokemon that you see early on called Salandit, and it's kind of this poison fire lizard. And you see them in the wild, and they're actually kind of cool. And then you stop, well, what does this evolve into? And then you see it, and it's like, oh, wow, fire lizard, you know, kind of some poison. That's actually a pretty decent thing to kind of use on your own. So you think, all right, let me just catch one and raise it to what evolves. And then you find out that it only evolves if it's female. Oh. <laughs> and then you find out the real kicker, which is only one in, like, 50 is female. So <laughs> trying to dang. find one in the wild takes you a really, really long time. And wow. I think it might even be one of those things where it's actually, there's a higher chance of catching it depending on the time of day. And there may be only a very narrow set of hours where females are around. You mean like like real world time or like in-game time? Um, I think, and what I'm talking about is like sort of real world time. Yeah. So what the game actually does now is rather than having the thing with um silver, gold, silver, and crystal where there's like a timer within the game. Yeah. I think it just uses the 3DS's timer to oh, be okay. able to sort of gauge it. Gotcha. Um, so what you end up having to do, and this is a sort of weird way that the game kind of builds itself, and I think it's, or maybe Kyle will be the benchmark for this. Maybe this isn't too outlandish. I don't know. What? Am I the bad guy? In this? Am I the bad guy you, in our podcast? You can be. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm kind of into that. Yeah. Honestly. There you go. Okay. You jerks. Embrace it. So, <laughs> Kyle, is it too much work to catch a male Eevee and then raise it, but feed it a, spe- a special type of bean, which you can get within the game, and if you feed enough of it to this and then you raise it during the day, it will evolve into the fairy evolution of Eevee, which has a special power, which means that it attracts the opposite sex. So it attracts <laughs> female. So then you have the Sylveon, which is the name of the fairy evolution of Eevee, oh which you can God. then go to areas where Salandits are, and, and then all the ones that you encounter will be female. Wow. And then that's how you catch a female Salandit that you can then raise into a Salazzle, which is the much stronger version. And wow. Of this fire poison. Right. Poison. And this is all progress in the game, wow. yeah. but it's not getting badges. Yeah. Right. So this right, is like right. a game that you sort of make up or a set of mechanics that you sort of play through to get a particular thing that you want. And to a certain degree, the designers have to include sort of intentions for that. Mm -hmm. Now, on the opposite side of that within the Pokemon universe, there's also the missing no glitch that we all Mm -hmm. cheated with when... Uh, yeah, we I would never work. cheat in a game. <laughs> You're a liar. How dare you? My 99 yeah. rare candies were earned. <laughs> You're a liar. Yeah. And, you know, looking at something like that, that's clearly a moment where the game broke and everybody realized, oh, yeah. wow, this can, you know, sort of work to uh, our advantage. And I guess the thing that I'm really curious about with respect to emergent gameplay is if there's a place in between the kind of intentional versus unintentional um, emergent gameplay uh, where things may be happen or we invent ways of playing games that aren't necessarily um, either for advantage or we find ways to sort of invent things because obviously the sort of assumption is that intentional gameplay, every single piece has to be placed there by the designers and has to be balanced and has to be sort of thought like Um, But even something like a fighting game, maybe there's a particular combo of interactions or a combo of uh, moves. For example, uh, I won't disclose the character I play with. I think I might have disclosed my Super Smash character in an earlier episode. Uh, But troll back through the archives, guys. These two will very soon, Derek and Kyle, will very soon find out what a three-piece with a biscuit is. (laughs) And they will get hit with a three-piece with a biscuit over and over and over again. But there's no move called a three-piece in a biscuit. Uh It's just Uh my special combination. filled with my special seasoning with my special sort of blend (laughs) and when they get hit with it they're going to experience the flavor of pain oh that's what it tastes like (laughs) but small things like that that are sort of ways that we kind of curate and take the game's mechanics and make them our own yeah yeah 
I think there's a there's a meme that goes around. It, it might have even been said, but by uh, uh, Bethesda, you know, uh-huh. the makers of Fallout, uh, the Fallout series. In Fallout Four, I don't think this really happened, but like, there's a meme that goes around that say, "Was this part of the game or is this a glitch?" Uh-huh. And Bethesda's like, "Yes, <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right." That right. might be yeah. all Bethesda games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. always I mean, super glitchy. The Fallout world is so massive, right? Like, yeah. so enormous, so huge, yeah. so complex that like. It's tough to know whether there are like intentional. I love this idea of emergent gameplay. Whether yeah. like intentionality mm-hmm. is part of it or not, yeah. or if it's just like you're kind of like hacking the system yeah. and maybe like blurring those lines yeah. is actually like purposeful for some people. You Absolutely. know, for, for, for some game designers, yeah. right? They're like, you want people to feel that they're kind of like hacking the system when it's like, no, we we planned for this, you know, right? Yeah. Yeah, or yeah, even yeah. if they didn't plan for it, they put all the pieces in place so that you right. could like figure it out, you right? Know? And then and then like I think the example of the the Eevee where you like take the EV and you use it to solve this problem of only being able to attract the females, that's one where where I think you could make the argument, yeah, they like realized that that would be hard, so they did put something in there that mm-hmm. you could eventually find that would be valuable for that. But like it's also it's it's hard to say there. And then there are definitely games uh, like one that I've been playing recently where it's really just like dropping you into a bucket and you kind of just. Like, there's no way for intentionality to find... It, 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 like, it becomes really hard to talk about whether or not the thing was designed to solve a certain problem. Or right. Not. Um, so uh, I was away from my... Yeah, I was away from my main PC for most of the summer. And uh, uh, basically what I've been doing over the last couple of weeks is playing two really interesting variants on hide-and-go-seek. Um, <laughs> so uh, the first one is Hitman. And... Uh, this is, I mean, this came out at the end of last year. This is the new Hitman, um, IO Interactive, IOI Interactive. No, IO Interactive uh, really uh, produced this one, and it is a fascinating sort of, um, yeah. It's it's just like, I mean, a lot of people have said a lot of things about it already, but like, um, it's this, it's this really dense, really complex map where everything is really scripted, and there are, are like a million moving pieces, and it all will sort of flow without you doing a single thing. Like, the whole game will just play out without you. Uh, And you are this sort of agent of chaos or, like, (laughs) randomness or disruption in this huge, like, perfectly moving system. Um, And and it's really tense. And then there's this sort of, like, uh, yeah, there's, there's this, you know... In, the, in those games, like, every object that you can interact with is so you can accomplish some sort of goal. So, like, like this idea of, like, intentionality is could be pretty strong there. Um, but the other version of hide-and-go-seek that I've been playing, and in and, and that version, it's like you are hiding as a person, and the computer is basically seeking you, more or less. Um, and then the reason why I call the second game Player Unknown's Battlegrounds hide-and-go-seek is that, like, basically everyone is it, and you just everything like in a, in a complete opposite opposition to Hitman, where um, everything is like perfectly scripted out and like playing out without you. Everything except the terrain is random in in Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. So um, this game is a sort of uh, I think it's I think there's a movie called Battle Royale. I have not seen. Oh, this the movie. one that like Hunger Games is vaguely based. I on? guess I yeah. guess it, mm. it must be that. Movie, yeah. So it's. I mean, it, if if you've seen the movie, I haven't, but um, it's apparently sort of got a lot of close ties to that. There's this island, um, and you 
sort of parachute into it with nothing and you pick up items on the island and the last person standing survives. <laughs> and the the there are a lot of these sort of survival games that have come out over the last maybe five years. Many of them have been in uh, early access, like <laughs> for, perpetual for development yeah. <laughs> hell and stuff like that. And and those are interesting in their own right in suggesting how game development like works nowadays. Yeah. But um the I think the thing that really pushes it over the edge, and it's a really simple thing, is that they have these big there are these big circles on the map, and um, anything outside of that circle, there's a white circle and a blue circle. If you're inside the white circle, you're safe, and the blue circle slowly moves until it converges on the white circle. And if you're in the blue zone, you're going to be taking damage over time. Every some fraction of a second, you take a certain amount of damage. And as the circles get smaller and smaller, you take more damage when you're outside. And that obviously forces everyone to confront each other in various locations. So um, the flight paths are randomized. The circle locations are randomized. Um, the loot drops of guns and, and equipment and armor and like upgrades for your guns are all randomized. Um, and you just sort of like, you 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 have to you ha you just have to like totally constantly be on edge. It's like the most stressful and most like <laughs> like fun game that I've played uh, in in a very long time. And and there's something about like it follows in it follows in the vein of something that I've <clears throat> often called like roguelikes. I think in its sort of repetitiveness, but I almost want to like not call it that because. I think I overuse, and maybe we, uh, lots of people in games, uh, criticism, journalism, etc., overuse that term. And what I what I really mean is like, there's it's it's a it's a sort of contained experience where like it lasts anywhere from like thirty seconds to like forty minutes, but not really longer than forty five minutes because there's kind of like a hard limit, and like you can just go and you slowly learn the terrain and you slowly learn how to use the weapons you learn where you should go to get the best loot and you know where the people are and there's this sort of like progression built into a sort of small repetitive experience and i and there's something i mean there's you know it just sort of fits uh it just sort of fits into like uh people's schedules uh in an interesting way it's like you could just hop on and play a 40 minute match and in the way that like if you weren't interested in sinking 20 hours into a narrative like mm -hmm. 20 hours into a narrative game and like following right. that consistently through over the course of a week um or two weeks or three weeks um you you can just sort of pop in play it and then forget about it really yeah. after mm. that um and so that's been you know uh that's been that's been on my mind and and interestingly enough i mean it's the summer i have definitely been taking nights and weekends more often than i would during the school year I've sunk like forty some hours into this game already, <laughs> and wow. like I and and the thing is, if someone was like, "Hey, do you want to play this like RPG?" You know, it's going to take you twenty five hours. I'd be like, "I super don't want to do that." <laughs> and for some reason, I'm like totally fine with sinking forty yeah. plus hours into this game that like where I feel like I've quote unquote seen it all, or like I've had this, some sort of complete experience, a complete round every right. time I play, yeah. um, and like I'm not, I don't have to like worry about it or like remember things i guess in a certain way but that's but you're learning like uh different locations and all this stuff i don't know it's really fascinating yeah. so it's interesting as easy digestible games yeah we happen to consume i mean i think we each have our own you know it's the pokemon trading card game for me yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Has right civilization right. Yeah. hearthstone right. so yeah. on and so forth yeah, yeah. um that we end up playing those to a much greater extent than we would something like the Witcher Three, right? Which, exactly. Like if you count minutes, you know, right, you, right, you would right. actually see, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. 
I've actually had a pretty similar experience. This is like jogged my memory. I, yeah. I have started playing some new games. We started planning this episode, and I said, I don't, I've not played any video games yeah. this whole summer. I've been so busy. Yeah, that's just <laughs> super a lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, I started playing uh, Mech Warrior Online recently. Okay. Which, uh, for those of you who grew up with like the Mech Warrior series, like mm-hmm. I did, um, it's pretty great. Like it's it's a free mm-hmm. online game. Okay. Um, it's one of the like freemium games, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really like pay to play. Like you don't need to buy stuff to be good at it, but mm-hmm. you can just can if you want. Um, and it's similar, I think, in some ways, to, like Team Fortress Two, where like okay, you buy stuff that you know can help you, but a lot of it is like cosmetic, right? Mm-hmm. So you can like. You can have your mech and it's fine, or you can pay like five bucks and have it be like red and have a hat. You know, it's, it right. doesn't actually have a hat. Oh, that's, but, that's, that's a bummer. Uh, but it's really similar to what you're saying, Derek. Yeah. Like, I, I, I've probably put like maybe 20 or 30 hours into it, and like mm-hmm. it, I didn't even think about it because I was yeah. like, yeah, I play a couple matches every few right. days, you know, right. and like, don't really, but I'm sure if I went on Steam right now, it'd say like, you know, 28, 30 right. hours in the right. game, right? Yeah. Um, although there are like more RPG elements to the game because you get money for winning and then you can upgrade your mech or buy a new mech and there's like mm-hmm. 80 mechs you can buy yeah um there's something interesting about that game that i has kind of got me jogged my thinking is that mm-hmm. there's a culture kind of to the game so yeah. it's player versus player versus player you're mm-hmm. on a team of 12 people versus another team of 12 people mm-hmm. um but there's this weird kind of like professionalized culture among the players right okay so you know, if you played Mech Warrior, it looks like Mech Warrior. You're in a mech. You have guns. You shoot mm-hmm. things. You'd think the culture would be similar to pretty much most RPGs you'd play, right? Just mm-hmm. like screaming twelve year olds, just right. yelling curse words at you. Yeah. Um, no, it's very different. Like okay. everyone who plays it, there's very m- little mic talking uh-huh. at all. All of it is tactical. Interesting. So people will be like, and everyone talks in the um, internet, like the the like army code for like letters and numbers so oh my um, god wow okay. yeah like you know hotel eight indigo six you know for like you have like wow. a great map yeah and so you have people who are just like all right we're pushing three max up to indigo six other people take like hotel uh-huh. four and i'm like well okay hi i'm kyle uh-huh. let's go you know <laughs> um that's, yeah that's good. fascinating because... it's this whole culture and i've gotten into it like i'll be playing yeah, the game sure, and i'll yeah. just be and i, I can't i still don't have the because it's not alpha beta gamma it's like right whatever it is for alpha bravo charlie charlie yeah, yeah. whiskey delta. yeah delta uh, tango foxtrot, foxtrot. Yeah. yeah um we do the abc's military yeah, yeah yeah and so like i've been i've been getting into it in the games i'm like yeah take like charlie nine yeah. push forward into the thing yeah. and like, just kind of struck me that they were like this was kind of a self-perpetuating culture, right? Mm-hmm. Because I got into it and I noticed, yep. okay, everyone talks this way, right? This mm-hmm. is like the way your team works, even for people I've never met before yeah. for pulling in a single queue, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's just the way it works in the whole game. And there's many players, it's but it's one of these like cultural yeah, phenomena. that's really wild because I think usually, or one of the things I would typically think about with games is how you internalize mechanics yep. such that it takes you for a while and like jumping between games that have like slightly different mechanics oh, kind yeah. of jerseys mm-hmm. the But what you're talking about is like these aren't necessarily mechanics, but sort of I guess like the culture or the thing that hovers yeah, around like the, the, the yeah. community culture, right. you know, and it's yeah. more professionally based. It is like a very, mm-hmm. I don't want to like you know make any judge. It, it seems to me like the people who play it are older. I don't know. It could like, be. Yeah, I just hear them talking. You know, maybe yeah. that has something to do with it. There, it is a very complex game. You know, yeah. like you have to manage a lot of moving parts. It probably mm-hmm. like appeals to like the more like engineering mind. Sure, you know? yeah. could be. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't want to make assumptions about that, yeah. but it's very intriguing. You know, mech games do have like an old history. I remember there was one. Yeah, and they're older game. I mean, it's a new mm-hmm. game, Mech Warrior right. Online. But yeah, like Mech Warrior Two was my big game, and that came out in I think the mid '90s. I think I don't know the exact mm-hmm. year. There was one called Carnage Heart that came out for the PlayStation, and I only know about it because it was featured. There were some videos for it on a um, demo disc from way, way back when, like '97, and it was so intense that it came with like a 
200-page book. Oh, my God. <laughs> Learning That's the mechanics. my dreams. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. pretty intense. I walked into a GameStop and I was like, hey, do you all happen to have um, you know, Carnage Heart for the PlayStation? They were like, no, we definitely <laughs> don't. So I was like, ah, figures. Yeah. <laughs> I've never been able to track it down. So the, the, the last thing I want to say, and Kyle made me think of this, with this professionalized language, um, <clears throat> I so adjacent to this and like the cultures that end up surrounding these games – um, with Battlegrounds, I watched a lot of mm. uh, of gameplay footage and streamers playing this game. It, it, it was popular. Like, basically every major outlet, every major YouTuber streamer was probably playing Battlegrounds and is probably still playing Battlegrounds right now. Um, there's, there's certain words like calling a place with a lot of people where they tend to drop spicy Mm-hmm. Or uh, <laughs> just like giving nicknames to different kind of things. There's like a, a language. Yeah, yeah like yeah. The, and and like I definitely picked this up from from watching these videos. And I play. I've only been playing solo queue so far. There's yeah. you can do solo partners or squad, which is four for now. Those are the modes that are available. And um, you know I just play by myself. But I was like, ooh, looks like this one's gonna be spicy. And I'd like I say <laughs> to no one. Yeah. I mean, like this is how like pigeon languages happen. Yeah, you know, or like yeah. cultural. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah. And like and and then there are I mean I I've watched some videos of like you know uh like tips and tricks and it's like those people tend to have channels where they're really really good at the game and then I'll watch a squad match of them and they'll have precisely that kind of like push yo let's push I'm going to rotate out to the left do you have yeah. eyes on the target tactics. Yeah. like yeah all Super of this sort of tactical yeah. <laughs> like efficient language that you can use to just sort of get your 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 tactics like yeah. the the information across right away cuz the gunfights are are really like you can get shot in the head and die if you have no armor uh, with one shot for most a lot of weapons. It doesn't take a lot of of shots to die in yeah. the game. So it's a really like quick kind yeah. of uh, 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 combat. Often. Yeah. Mm. All right. Cool. cool. Tra- transition yeah. now. Um, Kyle, what's in your system? So, you know, there's a little other thing in my system, which mm-hmm. is a little preview for next week. Uh, so uh, we've all kind of been playing this game. It hasn't got a lot of press. It's like yeah. not very well known. Yeah, this is a w- kind of under the radar sort of yeah, like, indie yeah, game. Older games. Yeah, called Breath of the Wild. <laughs> <laughs> Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild. Yeah, probably never heard of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we've all been plugging our hours into it in the mm-hmm. past couple weeks. Um, so we're gonna have an, an episode hopefully released next week. Yeah, um, the, uh, I I wrote down the date to force myself to say it, August thirteenth. Thirteenth, it is August in the 13th, books. August thirteenth, we're gonna have it on the internet. We're gonna have an episode on. Yeah, uh, so it's gonna be sort of Breath of the Wild and like criticality. Like I was, I really wanted to talk about this game, but I was really nervous about doing yeah. it because I was like. Oh, I just love it though. Yeah, I just feel so like, good about because it. I feel like I'm eight years old again, right? Playing exactly. Ocarina just of time. Like, yeah. <laughs> it does nostalgia so well, and then Terrell had the fantastic idea of just like let's, let's do, do that. that. Yep. Let's make that the topic. So this we're gonna we're gonna talk about Breath of the Wild and nostalgia and nostalgia, like the limits of criticality, Limit, exactly, yeah. and uh, sort of like moments where criticality maybe isn't the thing we need or something like that. So, it's always yeah. the thing we need. It is <laughs> always. It can always we need to erase our nostalgia. Yeah. Is the goal. Yeah. But you've been you've been putting some time into that. I did, yeah. I put yeah. So I beat the game. I put all the hours into it. Got the master sword. Got all the stuff. <laughs> um, all the stuff. All the stuff. Yeah. How many Korok seeds? I mean, like all the Korok. I think seeds? I think only got like fifteen or twenty. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So I didn't do that much. Oh, in terms okay. Of that. Oh, so yeah. you didn't expand your inventory? At I did. A, I did a lot. Oh, okay. Like oh, that's like right. the first Korok ones seed. are like one or two yeah. Korok seeds for each. I might, right. I got all the Korok seeds now. You jerk. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got every one. Okay. Oh my god. You like my cred? My gamer cred? Holy shit, dude! There's like 900 of those things. Damn. 
but that, that was, I mean, the Korok seeds are another exa- good example of emergent gameplay, right? Yeah. Like you're kind of wandering, we talked about this in the last episode, yeah. but like you're wandering around and you just like, see some rocks and you're like, why is that one rock kind of mm-hmm. out there? And I, like, and the first, that was the first time I found a Korok seed. And I was yeah. like, what the heck oh, is this? Heck. You know, like, <laughs> it's a big thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so that's the plan for uh, for next week. Yeah. We'll, we'll drop an episode. Actually, really good timing because I uh, believe some DLC just released. Oh shoot! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to check oh, that now out. Now we all got to play that. Yeah, we got to shoot. We're gonna put. We'll, we'll put some hands on. What a hard life we'll we have, that. you know. Between the three <laughs> of us, we'll find. <laughs> we'll put some our time put our heads here. together. Yeah. Um, well, if that's. I think that's gonna wrap it up for us. We for kept today. it tight. That yeah. was tight, guys. Good job. Tight. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you guys want to uh, find us online, we have a website now. Hey. Yeah. So check us out at scholarsatplay.net. Um, we'll have. We'll be posting all the episodes. I'm gonna start doing some blog posting there. Yep. We may sort of yep. uh, cross post each other's blog posts and have blog posts on the site. So. Um, yeah, so we'll be doing that. We also have, um, we all did an interview uh, a couple weeks ago for a uh, podcast here at Vanderbilt called uh, Leading Lines, which is a wonderful podcast about kind of everything, teaching, the digital humanities. It's run from the Center for Teaching, right? Yes, the CFT exactly. here. Yeah. Um, and so they just interview, you know, people who are doing kind of cool, fun things at Vanderbilt. I guess somehow With technology they also picked somehow. us too some, yeah. for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we have a lovely interview on there. Yeah. Uh, I guess if you don't want, you know, this kind of like, you know, polished rhetoric that we give you on exactly, this podcast, yeah. you can you get the real us, juicy, I guess. Juicy, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. that's super us. So yeah. yeah, check it out. It's called Leading Lines. You can find it on iTunes, SoundCloud, yeah. So any, all of your, you know, uh, podcast finding devices. Where episode will be released, I think, in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think it's coming. Their season will start at the at the beginning of the season. So listen to all of them, but then listen to ours like four times, especially especially ours. ours. Yeah, Yeah. they'd be like, "Wow, we got to get these guys on here." Yeah, again. Um, So uh, also, if you have thoughts, questions, comments, how you like this new format, send us an email at scholars at playpodcast at gmail.com. Kyle, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at E underscore Kyle underscore Romero. Terrell. Black Socrates. And you can find me at digital underscore Derek. Um, I want to give a shout out to Visager for the for the use of his freely available song, The Plateau at Night. That's our intro and our outro song. I may actually hit up his page and see what he's he's got now and maybe find a new sort of what's in your system song. So yeah, we'll, we'll cha- see what we Visager's up to. We can doubly thank him, yeah. Yeah, thank him twice. <laughs> um, and as Kyle already mentioned, we're going to be uh, doing a sort of long-form, regular episode. Again, those are not going away, just to be clear. Reiterate that. We just uh, want to release more than, like, five a year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, Kyle's been very Once every two and a half months. <laughs> that we, that we, and, I, and I agree. I think, you know, we, we can be doing As more. the bad guy. As the bad. I've been insisting that we record the more episodes. bad boy of Scholars at <laughs> That's me wearing a leather jacket. Well, yeah. I mean, to be fair, he doesn't like Destiny, and I bet yeah. you he doesn't play the beta. <laughs> every episode. All right, before... <laughs> Before Kyle, like, crack, we're gonna get into a fight, puts on now. his fingerless gloves and <laughs> three piece a with chain. a biscuit. Come get it. Yeah, um, we're gonna we're gonna say goodbye. So thanks for listening. This is Derek. I'll see you later. Peace. All right, have a good one. Bye.